Hello and welcome back to Too True to Lie with Harry Day. We're going to do another installment of Fun-Filled Facts. I put out a uh, Facebook post um, asking for ideas of bizarre subject matter and uh, didn't get very much as far as replies or suggestions. And so... While I was reading up on some interesting uh, items about Vicksburg, Mississippi, I found a few other items, and um, we're going to talk about the year 1876. A lot of uh, iconic things, uh, nefarious moments, and very interesting and landmark moments happened in the year 1876, which would be the centennial of the United States. Of America. So, looking at 1876 in the United States of America, our president was Ulysses S. Grant. He was a Republican from Ohio, obviously a Civil War general, who uh, whose brass tack brash tactics of throwing men into the fight, one after the other, and when it all costs be damned the wounded and killed because that's that's how they won it they, they it was a war of attrition and the the north had more uh men and supply and i'm not gonna say i was pulling for either one i have i have a, a great 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 grandfather that fought in the massachusetts uh in a massachusetts regiment in civil war and fought for two years in a lot of major battles in the washington dc maryland virginia area and was wounded, I believe, at Sharpsburg, and that was the end of uh, his war uh, enlistment. So he probably went two, two and a half years. And then on my mother's side, that was my father's side, my mother's side had, uh, had grandfathers or great-grandfathers that both fought for the South, and, and they all survived. They fought for Mississippi regiments. I don't know which ones. Um... Let's see, there was not a vice president in 1776, so it doesn't say why. So let's look into the events that happened in 1876. If I've said it wrong, it's 1876. In February, John Hopkins University was founded in Baltimore, Maryland. Also in February and into March, the Harvard Lampoon Humor Magazine was created at Harvard in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Now you're thinking, Harvard Lampoon, that sounds familiar. Well, there were a few writers who were members of the Harvard Lampoon who started the National Lampoon Magazine and then Radio Hour. And we all know what spun out of National Lampoon. We had um, we had the writers Doug Kinney, who wrote Animal House and was part of uh, Caddyshack. He was very close friends with Chevy Chase. Um, little fact, uh, Doug Kinney had bouts with depression and supposedly jumped off a cliff in Hawaii. He was a cocaine addict, and it's, it's said that he was... Um, he either he thought 
his last movie was going to be a flop or had gotten a bad review or he was depressed and that was you know the spark that pushed him off the edge of the cliff but uh Doug Kenny was at Harvard and a member of the Harvard Lampoon 1876 was when it was founded this was obviously in the uh, 60s other people that were part of the Harvard Lampoon were Henry Beard he went into the National Lampoon and the National Lampoon picked up people like Christopher Guest, Harry Shearer, Chevy Chase this spins into the Saturday Night Live people from Lampoon and uh, from another group called the Lemmings and there was a lot of writers remember people like Lawrence O'Donnell and Mark O'Donnell were were part of the Harvard Lampoon that came in to write for the um, I can't I can't see it because of the glare part of the, the National Lampoon people and um, that also you know that that writing uh, nucleus ended up bleeding out into shows like The Simpsons and Futurama, Saturday Night Live obviously, Late Night with David Letterman, Seinfeld, Friends, The League, News Radio, The Office, 30 Rock, Parks and Recreation. This all tails back to National Lampoons. You know, Saturday Night Live tails back to National Lampoon Radio and National Lampoon Magazine, which formed from the Harvard Lampoon, which was founded in 1876. All right, we have Wyatt Earp, the famous lawman, starts work in May of 1876 in Dodge City. The Transcontinental Express traveled from New York City to San Francisco, California for the first time, and it took 83 hours and 39 minutes across the first Transcontinental Railroad, 1876. I think the railroad was complete by 1870, crossing the United States, in the, in that time frame. It wasn't 18, It was before 1876. Um, the Battle of Little Bighorn took place in late June, where George Armstrong Custer and his regiment of uh, just under 200 men, somewhere in that 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 number were surrounded and wiped out by over a thousand Lakota, Cheyenne, and Arapaho Indians being led by Crazy Horse who was a Sioux and several Cheyenne Indians who had a, be a bone to pick with Custer because of uh, r cavalry raids on supposedly peaceful villages in the past, one in Oklahoma in Indian Territory and one in Colorado which wasn't Custer, it was, it was a uh, local governor in the ter Colorado Territory and both of those villages that had multiple tribes of Indians in them but the one that was in Colorado was was the Shans were led by Black Kettle and Black Kettle was also in, in the uh, Indian Territory in Oklahoma and that's where he and his wife were killed trying to escape on horseback and um, it, it, it is well known that Custer and his troops did storm into that end of the village, but village of Kiowa and um, a branch of the Apache and several other smaller tribes were 
camped all along the river beyond the camp that the cavalry went into, which were Cheyenne. And, you know, they, they, they killed several Cheyenne, but they ended up noticing that they were going to be overwhelmed. And this was years. This was in the 1860s, 1867. Um, they had to, the U.S. Cavalry and Custer and his men had to pull out and they took, oh, let's see, gosh, they took like 200 women and children and, and elderly people with them and had them march on either side of the troops while slowly retreating out of the uh, village where they attacked so they could protect themselves. It was almost like human shields. And really, it's a smart battle tactic, even though it's probably not ethical. There was a uh, company of so soldiers that rode after some warriors that were that were fleeing the village that ended up getting pinned down I think there was 20 or 30 of them and they were they were wiped out by a hundred plus Indians on this little bluff just outside of that village so uh, you know you score a few wins for the US Cavalry and you score a few wins for the Native Americans it's war what always struck me strange about the Indian Wars and 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 taking absolute control of the lands across central United States, and I've driven across it multiple times, is when you drive across that open land, it's vast open land, and you don't see anything. You see some fences here and there. You see a dotted farm here and there. Along the roads, you see stores, occasionally gas stations, little clusters of houses. You'll come to a town, but it's just vast, wide open space and you really don't see cattle you don't see horses you don't see buffalo you just see wide open space and so all these you know a century and several decades ago we had all these wars just to keep people safe I guess because when you know the Indian tribes fought against each other brut brutally before we came along and the Europeans before us that brought disease and killed about 90% of the Indian population throughout the Americas north and south and central that's a fact the Spanish were just just absolute genocidal killers by mistake by bringing pigs and themselves into Central America South America and the Southwest and Florida over to Texas their diseases just wiped Native Americans out and they they didn't want that because they were they were, you know, often they got along and and had them as trackers and help. The the U.S. Cavalry had had Indian trackers and scouts that didn't like who the cavalry was looking for and going after because there were bands of Indians out there who would attack wagon trains of families who had like a rifle and two horses and an ox and a band of young natives seeking blood sport to become men because that was part of the culture were killing these just people and women and taking kids captive or killing them they did they did both it's just it's brutal times I'm not I'm not blaming either side it was just brutal times and I'm glad it's not going on now unless you live in Chicago or possibly New Orleans because people getting shot y'all 
And we're back. I had a telephone call, and when we get telephone calls here at Two True July, the recording gets paused. And it was my mother, and so I took the call, and I don't know. You Have you learned now that my memory is not very good? I need a number two sitting over here telling me what we were talking about, what we were doing. I know what I was talking about, but I was going on and on about the Indian Wars and the brutality of the times. And we're going to move on from that. And I'll, I'll splice this together later. Obviously, we know on July 4th in 1876, the United States celebrated its centennial. Colorado was admitted as the 38th state of the United States. The next day, August 2nd, Wild Bill Hickok was shot in the back of the head in Deadwood, South Dakota, playing poker. And the dead man's hand was thrown to infamy in poker aces and eights and it wasn't it wasn't a uh, full house of three and two and that how that works it was a two pair aces and eights Thomas Edison six days later this is all August receives a patent for his mimeograph do you know what a mimeograph is you'll have to look it up the Southern Pacific Line from Los Angeles to San Francisco was completed. That's a railroad line going up and down the West Coast. It did not go along the coast. It was still rough and rugged. It probably went up through the, uh, the uh, I'm going to say Simeon Valley, and that's not what it is. The uh, valley that runs through Central California. I don't have it in front of me. Couldn't tell you what it's called right now. Let's see, September 1876, the Jesse James Cole Younger game tried to rob Northfield, Minnesota. That is where most of them were shot or killed, and they made their retreat or were captured in Minnesota. Jesse James went on. He had been in the Civil War as a young man along with a lot of them that were older than him. He was young compared to his brother Frank and and some of the other boys. Uh, but a lot of them, yeah, three of them went to hospitals, shot up. One of them relished in the notoriety that he was getting from this, but he was still a jailbird. And uh, would you rather be... And I'm back again. My mother butt-dialed me and was not there. And we were talking about Northfield, Minnesota. But now we're not. There will be a dub link connector that you just heard a little minute ago. Some short one-second detail I'll use. Texas A&M University in Texas is open for classes October 4th, 1876. Remember, this is 1876 we're looking at. And by my timeline of trying to make my podcast episodes around 30 minutes, I do not have a clue because we're 40 seconds into part three of this episode. So, hooray. The American Library Association was founded in Philadelphia, so read a book. I've written three that I've had printed out by myself. Get in touch with me through harrymday.com if you want to get one of my books or all three of my books. I'll make a deal. I've got three more on my computer that I have not put into print. One's too long. to wouldn't be economical to put into print. Another one is... Uh, much shorter, a novella that I'm going to put into print next. It's a lampoon of Hollywood. Since we're talking about lampoons, 
The presidential election in 1876 in November ended in dispute, and no new president was decided until 1877 because the electoral votes were split because too many electoral votes were in dispute. Remember, the electoral vote system is there to protect the integrity of the nation. If we let the electoral votes of large numbers for small areas with enormous populations choose the electees or electors, whoever's elected, we would be run by San Francisco and Los Angeles and New York City and Chicago and Seattle. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, Fly Over America doesn't want that. You know, we, we still have family values. Not that those places don't, but look at the mess that these big cities are. These, these big cities are messes. And I'm not talking social issues where people refuse to identify as a certain sex or they identify as certain beings or all these, this hodgepodge of, of identity, identity crisis that is going on. <coughs> Excuse me. I wonder if that was louder than it was for y'all than for me. So the Electoral College is important. That's why popular elections will never decide because it's too skewed. We have to have the Electoral College. Bill Clinton was elected by the Electoral College. He's a Democrat, so Democrats don't cry about it because you can't get these yahoos who are trying to run for president these days and become President Socialist of America. Where has socialism worked? It hasn't. That's not being right-wing or left-wing. That's just being factual. And truth trumps lies. All right, the Indian Wars were still going on in other parts of of Wyoming and Montana and the Dakotas and it went into Idaho some okay here in December we had a Brooklyn theater fire in New York City and 278 people were confirmed killed possibly more than 300 some by fire more mostly by stampede and people going crazy and freaking out and crushing each other and then burning up could have been both that's that's a tough way to go clubbers the first cremation in the United States in this interesting if not ironic after talking about people being burned up in the theater fire the first cremation in the United States took place in a crematory built by Francis Julius Lemoyne I imagine he's French you know, if he's not, he sounds French, right? Right. Okie dokie, we've gone through the short list. And that's really all the best things. Earlier in the year, something I missed, Alexander Graham Bell was granted his patent for the invention he called a telephone. And three days later, the very first phone call, 1876, the very first phone call was made across his office. Mr. Watson, come here. I want to see you. Were the first words spoken across Alexander Graham Bell's telephone. A few more little tidbits. 
The Lyford House in Tiburon, California is constructed, if that means anything to you. It doesn't to me. The Heinz Tomato Ketchup brand was introduced. That would have been in Pennsylvania, I think. Adolphus Bush marketed his beer, Anheuser-Busch, out of St. Louis, Missouri. He marketed Budweiser, a pale lager, and sold it nationally. I don't know if that's the first nationally sold beer, but it's got to be the most successful American mass-produced beer. I drank a lot of it back in the day. Bud Light. Bud was heavy. I remember the Bud commercials. Um, was what's what's up, Budweiser? Drinking a Bud? True, true. It was. All right, the first carousel at Coney Island was built by Charles Loof, which is a uh, really interesting name, kind of like Lufa. L double O double F. L double O double F double O L. That's backwards. Fool. Loof. Okie dokie. During 1876, in the scale of time, we were in the Reconstruction Era. It was considered early stages of the Gilded Age. And there was a depression going on. This was right smack in the center of the depression of 73 to 79. In sports, the Chicago White Stockings win the first National League Professional Baseball Club Championship. The Chicago White Stockings. I wonder what they turned out to be. Maybe the Chicago White Shoes? No. The Chicago Whiteheads? No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. What's what, what? What are they called? The Chicago White Pantyhoses? No. Help me out here. Where's my assistant? I know it's something that's like a uh, stocking, but I can't think of it. Yale won the college football championship that year go Yale I guess everybody was too busy being ironic and sarcastic in Harvard forming the Harvard Lampoon to play football and cheer on their brethren in the Harvard Yale game let's uh we got some famous births I'm gonna run down them and if I see a name that I recognize I'll say it Jack London was born, 1876. I uh, don't see any more I recognize. Sherwood Anderson, a novelist. Nope, no one there I, I recognize. A famed wife and assistant of Harry Houdini, Bess Houdini, was born that year. Mary Ellicott Arnold, a social activist for women was born in 1876. Um, Alphaeus Cole was a portrait painter. I do not know the name, but he must have been somebody. Uh, Marvin Hart, the heavyweight boxer, was born in 1876. And last and least, we have the deaths of 1876. George Trenholm, the second Confederate States Secretary of Treasury was born, was stricken dead in 1876. He was just short of 70 years old. Braxton Bragg, a Confederate general, died in 1876, not of war wounds. Uh, Wobble Hickok, George Custer, we know that. Um, 
Charles Goodyear, who was a politician, I don't know if he was the Goodyear of Goodyears, died. The First Lady of the United States, Eliza McCardle Johnson, President Johnson, the president during the end of the Civil War after Lincoln was killed. His wife died. And Gordon Granger, a U.S. general of the Civil War, died in 1876 and I think it's safe to say anyone born in 1876 is not alive today but I would imagine their work or their words may still be around and you may come across it and get to enjoy that but you may not because 1876 was a long time ago. Does anyone remember 1976, the bicentennial? I was six years old when it became the bicentennial. I believe I was taken to Disneyland with friends of the family and my mom. So, fun-filled facts from 1876. I apologize for the two interruptions. I'll put some weird sounds in between those breaks so you can see where they are. Again, this is ad-libbed, unrehearsed, too true to lie with Harry Day, coming to you from central Mississippi. I love you. God bless. And what do we say? Peace.